You're listening to the Trace Church Rock Rimmon podcast. Well, what is up, Trace Church Online? We are so grateful to have every single one of you joining us, whether you're joining us right now, which is Sunday morning, or whether you're watching this later, whether you're watching this in Colorado Springs or you're watching from a different state around this nation. We know that hundreds, if not thousands of you will tune in to this over the course of this week. And so we just want to say we're grateful that you've joined us today. I've got a message for you today that I believe is going to be challenging. I have a message that I believe may cause some disruption in some of your, in some of your theology, but my hope is that you'll tune in today and you'll hear what I have to say. But before we get there, uh, I want to take a moment and just say happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the mamas out there. We love you. We are so incredibly thankful for you. But it's not lost on me that today is going to bring with it a bag of emotions because this is not an ideal Mother's Day, is it? Some of you today are going to be uh, celebrating Mother's Day alone. Some of you are going to be celebrating Mother's Day and you wish you could be with your family, but maybe it's not going to work out that way. We know that even here at Trace, there's a lot of new mamas out there. And man, it would be your hope that your first Mother's Day, you would have people gathering with you and family gathering with you, but it's just not going to turn out that way. Or maybe for you, this word has kind of surfaced in your life on the other side of people in white robes. And this word keeps coming to your in your direction called infertility. And so we know that in this day, there, there brings with it a lot of emotions, and it's not lost on us that although there's celebration and there should be celebration, that there's also some struggle. I'm probably not just speaking for myself when I say uh, I love this church. I absolutely love this church and look forward to the day where we're going to be gathering in this room together again. Well, today we're actually concluding in this series called The Quarantine Chronicles, and it's been a study through the book of Philippians. And the reason why we called it The Quarantine Chronicles is because this is, this is a letter in the Philippians. This letter to the Philippian church is written by Paul, and it's written when he's on house arrest. You see, what happened is he went to Rome with the hopes of an opportunity to preach the gospel. But instead of being met with an opportunity, he was met with opposition, and he found himself on house arrest, and so we could say that he was in quarantine, right? But instead of allowing this time to be wasted and this time just to kind of float away, he decided that he wanted to be intentional with this time, and so he sat down and he began to write letters. One of the letters that he wrote was to the Philippian church, and we now have this in our English Bibles, right? We now have this in the New Testament as one of the books of the Bible, and so Paul sits down and he writes to the church in Philippi. And today we're going to be concluding, we're going to be in uh, Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to read a verse that is possibly one of the most one of the most popular verses that you've ever heard before. And not only is it popular, but it also is one of the most mistranslated verses. Like if I were to put it in a category, it makes the top 5 list of the most mistranslated verses in the entire Bible. In other words, when Paul sat down to write this letter to the Philippian church, he wrote this verse out, and when he wrote this verse out, he had a specific intent behind it. And what we have done is we have taken what his original intent was, and we've made it to mean something else. And you've heard us say this before here at Trace, but let me say it again for us this morning. A verse can only mean what it originally meant. A verse can only mean what it originally meant, which means when Paul sat down and he wrote this out, there was one intent, there was one meaning 
behind the verse that we're going to look at today. And again, I'm just going to give you a heads up. When I bring it to your attention what this verse is, and when I, when I show you that we have mistranslated this verse, that we've taken it out of its context, and it doesn't mean what you probably thought it to mean, you might get a little bit upset with me. And let me be clear about my intent today. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not here to prove a point. I'm, I'm actually kind of adverse to those preachers and pastors who have what I would call point-proving theology, this point-proving theology where it's like, hey, I'm going to show you that you're wrong, and I want to show you that I'm right. And in the process of doing that, they kind of lose sight of Jesus. And so that's definitely not my intent today. My intent today is to make sure that we're good students of God's Word. My intent today is to make sure that we're not only reading God's Word correctly, but we're teaching God's Word correctly. And so with all of that being said, let's dive in to Philippians chapter 4. And I'm going to begin in verse 10. Paul says this, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things or all this, depending on the translation that you're reading. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And there it is. I can do, right? I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And we know that like Tim Tebow used to wear this underneath his eyes when he would play football. And if you're a UFC fan, John Jones got it tattooed on his body. Philippians 4.13 has become this kind of spiritual rabbit's foot. So we tattoo it, we throw it on t-shirts, and we use it in huddles when it's third down in 20. It reminds us that we have the favor of God to do whatever our hearts desire, so we, we memorize it, we rehearse it, and we use it when all odds are stacked against us. It's kind of become this motivational fuel that we use when we're bent on overcoming an obstacle, when we want to beat a competitor or maybe break a new record, because we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. But the problem is, we can't. And God actually never wanted you to think that you could. Yeah, it makes for a great tattoo. Yes, it makes for a great t-shirt. Yes, it's what coaches will use when it's at the end of a third quarter going into the fourth quarter and all odds are stacked against you. But when we read that, that we can do all things through Christ who gives me strength and it's kind of become this spiritual rabbit's foot in our faith that's not the intent that Paul ever wanted you to take away from this letter in this particular phrase that he used when he was writing to the Philippian church. So here's what I want to do. I want to go back and I want to read it again. And this time I want to show you in context what it is that Paul is talking about. So let's read it again. Paul says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. For I have learned, pay attention here, I have learned to be content. Here's the subject matter. I've learned to be content. Whatever the circumstances, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret. Here, I mean, here, here's, here's the, the meat of what Paul is trying to get at. I've learned the secret of being 
content in any and in every situation, where whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all of this. Key word here, and I think this is the better translations. If you look at some translations, it'll say, I can do all things. Other translations say, I can do all this. The NIV says, I can do all this, which means he's pointing backwards. I can do all of this. What is this? What is he pointing to? I can do all of this is learning what it means to be content. I can do all of this, learning what it means to be content, whether I have plenty or whether I have one. I can do all of this. He's pointing backwards through him who gives me strength. You see, we can't strip away all the surrounding verses, remove it from its original intent, and expect to come away with a proper understanding of what Paul is saying. In its context, Paul is using two extremes, having a lot or having a little, to highlight that he understands the range of human experience and that he understands the challenges that come with each position. He isn't a rich person telling a poor person to be happy with what they have or vice versa, and he's not sitting there with a full stomach telling hungry people to get over it. He's simply saying that he's learned how to be content regardless of his circumstances. And so once again, he says, and I can do all of this. I can be content regardless of my circumstances, regardless of what's going on in my life, regardless if things are going really well, and if regardless if things are like a struggle for me right now, I've learned what it means to be content. I can do all this. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So let me get really practical. God doesn't want you. God doesn't want you to go through this life thinking that you can accomplish anything you want, because listen to me, you can't. And if you thought that you could, I believe it's going to lead you down a path of despair. I'm a 40-year-old man. I'm five foot ten. I wish I could dunk a basketball. And believe it or not, I have dreams about this. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. I wish I could dunk a basketball. I just do. I wish, man, I wish I was the fastest man on earth. I do. I, I, wish, I wish I could walk on water. I think that'd be incredibly cool. I wish I could fly. Like if we're getting sick, like wouldn't that be awesome to fly? But what do you think would happen if I walked to the top of this building that I'm preaching in right now and I jumped off thinking, man, full faith, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Anybody want to take a bet on what's going what's gonna to happen? Of course I'm being facetious. So let me, let me say it more practically in a way that maybe you've heard other people talk about this. I want to overcome this cancer. Uh, just yesterday... We had a, a lady in our church who's been with us from the beginning. She was diagnosed a couple weeks ago with brain cancer. And yesterday she lost that battle. And I've been in conversation with her son, who's been a regular part of Trace. He's been serving here for a long time. And I bet, I bet he wished he could have beat that cancer for her. Maybe you've heard it said this way. I want to get pregnant. I want my husband to know Jesus. I want to fix the health complications of my new baby. And so if you just pray enough and obey enough, right, I mean, it'll be fixed. Isn't that kind of what Philippians 4.13 is saying, if we use it as the spiritual rabbit's foot, that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. I'm going to share something with you that I believe to be 100% true, but it's not necessarily popular in other theological circles. And it goes like this. There are some things, there are some things that will happen and no matter how much you pray or obey, it doesn't go away. 
And I need to share that with you again. There are some things that are going to happen in your life, and no matter how much you pray or obey, they just won't go away. Why? Because when sin entered this world, can I back up really quick and remind you that God created this world to be perfect, but when sin entered this this world, when sin entered into this world, so did cancer and betrayal and abuse and death and COVID-19. And just being a faithful Christian doesn't make us immune to those things. Now, let me be really careful, okay? Listen to me, lean in right now, because I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. Am I I saying that God doesn't intervene, that God doesn't answer prayer? Absolutely not. I've been saying this for as long as I can remember. We always pray for what we know God can do. We always pray for what we know God can do, and God is in the business of doing miracles. I've experienced a few myself, and so we always pray for what we know God can do. Because I do believe that God will intervene sometimes, but we also have to understand that sometimes God just simply says no. Even though we might think it's like, well, God, why wouldn't you answer this prayer? Like, this is going to make, it's going to make my life better, and because it's going to make my life better or my life easier, then I can help those around me. But what we don't know is, and what we shouldn't ever expect to do is expect to think that we can understand things and see things the way that God can, because I think we probably would all understand this. If he said yes to some of our prayers, and if he intervened every time that we wanted him to, it actually may make, maybe not our struggle worse, but other people's struggle worse. It may make a situation that we thought was already bad worse. And so what we have to be careful is to think that God is our own personal little genie in a bottle. And anytime we beckon him, that he should show up and give us what we want. So this is what often happens you find yourself in a struggle. And some well-meaning Christian comes up to you and says, but you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. And so you walk away from those conversations. You think, okay, I just have to have more faith. I need to trust God more. I need to pray more and I need to obey more. And maybe you do those things and nothing changes. And so then you start to reflect on that and you start to think and you start to look inwardly and you might, you might come to a, a conclusion that God would never want you to come to. And it may sound something like this. Well, maybe it's me. Maybe it's my fault. Maybe there's something wrong with me or worse yet. And I see this happen all the time. Maybe because God didn't show up the way that you thought he was supposed to or that somebody told you that he would if you just do these things and you, and you believe that you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. What happens is you start to have a have an inaccurate depiction and understanding of who your Heavenly Father is in some people. Some people decide that, you know what? I'm out. Because what I was told is not my experience, and so some people walk away altogether. But the truth is, guys, listen to me. The truth is, is that God never promised that. God never promised that you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. There are some things that we simply weren't meant to do. There are some things that no matter how hard we try, no matter how much we pray or obey, sometimes they just won't go away. But he never promised that. I want to be very clear this morning. He never promised that. But it does sound good, doesn't it? (laughs) I mean, there's something inside of us, and even those of you that maybe have believed this verse and understood this verse up until today in the way that I've been describing it, Maybe there's something in you that it almost feels like, ah, oh, like, I can't use that anymore. I can't believe that anymore because it does sound good, doesn't it? I mean, there's some things that I wish I could do, honestly. 
There are some things that I wish I could do. I wish, I wish I could take people's pain away. I wish I could keep husbands from cheating on their wives. I wish I could get some husbands to come to church with their wife. I wish I could keep little kids from being molested and abused. I wish I could take cancer away. But there are some things that no matter how much we pray or obey, they won't go away. Let me take a time out for a second. Uh, there's been something interesting that I've been observing over the last few weeks. And it's been, um, it's come out of many conversations that I've been a part of. And what I'm, what I'm noticing happening is that there's something about this crisis that we're in right now. There's something about this storm that we're in that is surfacing people's pain. And it's not that this crisis is causing the pain. It's as if this crisis is giving people more freedom to expose it. And so I've been a part of some really, really hard conversations over the past few weeks. And one of those particular conversations was a young lady who's going through a living hell right now. I wish I could, I wish I could take it away from her. And as she's describing what you know, she's been experiencing, she, she says something. And every time I hear it, it just, oh man, it eats at my soul. And she said, you know, I, but Pastor Aaron, I know that God will never give me more than I can handle. And every time I hear that, I'm like, okay, okay, hold on, hold on, you know, time out. Let's talk about that. Because God never said that either. And it kind of falls within the same basket. If you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength, and God will never give you more than you can handle. But listen to me, sometimes God will give you more than you can handle. And I don't necessarily know if it's God giving you more than you can handle, or he's just allowing things to happen in our lives that are more than we can handle. Again, when sin entered this world, so did evil. And we're on the other side of a lot of evil things that are done. Maybe not from our own actions and experiences, but from what other people have done themselves. And so we're on the other side of that. And Sometimes we have things that God allows to happen in our life that more than we can handle. But if somebody were to give you that kind of information and that kind of inaccurate theology, we walk away thinking, okay, well then if God can't give me more than I can handle, then I should be able to handle this, but I can't. So what does that say about me? Because I can't handle this. And you were never meant to. And so when we walk away from storms and crisis, thinking that there's something wrong with us, does that help at all in being able to persevere through that storm? And let me be clear, I believe God will give us what we need to be able to persevere, but it does not mean you're supposed to do it on your own. This is why the Apostle Paul said this. Uh, oh, let me jump back. Go to the Galatians verse really quick. Sorry if I skipped over it. Paul said this, carry each other's burdens. I'll go back to that in just a second, Julie. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens. When sometimes you feel that there's more going on in your life than you can handle, it's okay. And we say this a lot around here. It's okay to not be okay, but don't live there. And if you need to tell someone that you need help, you need to tell someone that you need help because you weren't created to go through life carrying the burdens that you carry on your own. I want you to look at the emphasis of what Paul is saying here. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. What is this law of Christ? Loving each other at such a depth that we're willing to walk in each other's pain with one another that we don't allow anybody to try to navigate 
through this life thinking that there must be something wrong with me. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. Now, I want to show you where we kind of mistranslated that. Julie, you can jump back to 1 Corinthians because Paul never said when he was writing to the church in Corinth, he never said that God won't give you more than you can handle. Here's what he said, and this is where we mistranslate this verse. He said, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. And so again, the context here is temptation. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted. This has nothing to do with what you can or can't handle. This has everything to do with temptation. He said, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, again, context, temptation, with the temptation, he will also provide the way out, the way of escape that you may be able to endure. Somebody needs to hear this today. It's okay to not be okay. But don't live there. It's okay if you need to ask for help. It doesn't make you weak. If you ask me, it makes you strong. I just got news yesterday that another pastor that's kind of within our circles, he's a megachurch pastor, incredible influence, written many books, took his own life. And I think that's the third this year. Yeah, we're not immune to this either. Pastors, preachers, it's okay to not be okay. But don't live there. If you need help, ask for it. God never intended you to try to walk through the storms of your life alone. And I know, listen to me, I'm sorry. I'm going to apologize on behalf of the church when you've heard things like, well, but no, 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 you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. And God will never give you more than you can handle. And everything happens for a reason. Don't even get me started on that one. That's for another sermon. And I want, I want to give you permission today that when somebody says, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength, you look at them and say, no, I can't. I need help. And if somebody looks at you and says, well, God will never give you more than you can handle. You can look at them and say, that's not true because I can't handle this. I need help. I'm giving you full permission to do that today because sometimes we just need to be, sometimes we just need that permission, don't we? Now, do I believe the Spirit of God is powerful enough to give us what we need to persevere through the truth? The trials and the storms of this life, absolutely. And this is why I'm trying to be careful that you don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that you shouldn't pray for strength. No, pray for strength. Pray for what you, got, you know God can do. But sometimes he just simply won't answer our prayers and we won't feel like he's meeting us where we want him to meet us and he's not answering the prayers the way that we wanted him to answer us. And can I just remind you once again, he's not our genie in a bottle. We don't have a spiritual rabbit's foot that as long as you pray and obey, that all your pain's gonna go away. It just doesn't work that way. And so if I haven't been clear enough, let me be really clear. You can't do all things. You can't. You can't do all things and God doesn't want you to think that you can. Everything doesn't happen because God wanted it to, right? And this is kind of going back to that everything happens for a reason. Well, if everything happens for a reason, that almost insinuates that, well, then God wanted it to happen. And so my husband cheating on me, I guess God wanted that to happen because God wanted to do something more awesome because my husband cheated. Why would God ever be against himself? Why would God institute sin when his son came to die for it? 
Why would God institute sin so that he could do something greater from it? God, not everything happens because God wanted it to. And sometimes God will allow you to have more than you can handle. And you just need to know that. It's going to give you a better understanding and perspective and picture of who your heavenly father actually is. And it doesn't mean like God's some wrathful God in the sky giving us so much you know, pain and suffering. Again, a lot of that pain and suffering is not coming from God. It's coming on the other, other side of sin entering into this world. God didn't want sin to enter this world. He created it perfect. Go back and read the beginning of the Bible in Genesis. He created the garden and it was perfect. We're the one that brought all of this strife and pain and suffering into this world when we allowed sin to enter into it. And then the last one, there are some things, there are some things that you can't pray away and you can't obey away. Yeah, welcome to Trace where we just tell you what you want to hear. No, we're going to tell you what we think God wants you to hear. We're going to tell you what we think you need to hear. And one of the things that Jesus does promise, in John chapter 16, verse 33, he says, In this life, in this life you're going to have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world, which means there's going to be a day in the future. And this brings us hope. There's going to be a day when all of it is removed, when all the storms and trials and the hell that you find yourself living in right now, it will be removed as long as you put your faith and trust in Jesus. And so if you've never made that decision, now would be a great day to do that. Not just so that you can get fire insurance and so it'll save you from hell, but because God wants to bring you into new life, not just when heaven comes. Yes, we're citizens of heaven. We talked about that last week in Philippians chapter three, but he wants to bring you into to new life now. And he wants to give you a community of other people, like-minded people who are pursuing Jesus and screwing up at it every single day to come around you to help carry your burdens when you can't carry them alone. But Jesus promises in this life you're going to have trouble, and he doesn't give a caveat to that. He doesn't say in this life you're going to have trouble unless, unless, unless you get Philippians 4.13 tattooed on your body, then, then you're good. Unless you start praying more and obeying more, then, then, then I'm going to keep any of those storms coming in your direction. No, he doesn't. He doesn't give us any caveats. He just gives us that promise. In this life, you will have trouble. <laughs> and some of you may be wondering, man, Aaron, why are you hammering this home? Why are you hammering down on this subject so much? It's because I'm on the other end of a lot of those painful conversations where well-meaning Christians try to encourage, but in the process probably do a lot more discouragement than they do encouragement. And I think it's incredibly important that you have an accurate perspective, picture, and understanding of who your heavenly Father is and who he is and how he operates and how he doesn't operate. Because I've had way too many conversations. I've had way too many conversations where somebody walks away from some kind of spiritual rhetoric that's being thrown at them in the, in the season of a storm, and they come away with this sentiment, well, there must be, there must be something wrong with me. Because I'm not experiencing what you're telling me that I'm supposed to experience. You're telling me I, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can't do this. You're telling me God won't give me more than I can handle. I can't handle this. And I just talk with so many people who walk away from these churches and conversations where there's this cloud of spiritual rhetoric that keeps them from understanding who their Heavenly Father actually is. Sometimes it's not about it's not about you having something messed up with you. Listen to me. Sometimes life just sucks. Pain 
sucks. Sometimes people suck. Which is why we want to be a church who extends hope when life hurts. Because if there's anything that all of us are going to experience at some point in this life, it's, it's hurt. It's life hurting. <laughs> but we believe in hope. <laughs> and we also believe hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. And he also, Jesus also gives us another promise. He gives us a promise of peace. Now, when I say that, listen to me, listen to me. You may have a tendency to d dismiss that. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, God, I know that God's supposed to give me peace and the peace of God. Yeah, 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 but listen to me. I think it would be foolish of you to dismiss this too quickly because the gift of peace, I believe it's one of the richest gifts that God gives. Maybe second to giving us his son Jesus is the gift of peace. And Paul also talks about this in Philippians chapter 4. And maybe a verse that you've memorized, maybe a, a verse you've heard us talk about. I've preached on this verse several times in the past. But in Philippians 4 and verse 6, Paul says, do, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. Can we just hold, hold on there for a second? Can we camp out there? In every situation, in your situation, right now, in your situation, whatever it is, however ugly it may be, Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, with prayer and thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, the peace of God that will not make sense to you sometimes, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, we may not know it, but one of the best gifts God can give us in the midst of our storm, in the midst of our trial, is not answering every prayer that we submit, is not actually even you know, being our genie in the bottle and fixing our circumstances. The best gift that God can give us, even if you can't understand this right now, I can assure you this is the case, the best gift that he can give you is actually peace. The kind of peace that surpasses understanding. The kind of peace that will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. I want to finish by reading one last thing that Paul said. In Philippians chapter 4, 8 through 9, maybe this is a great exercise no matter what's going on in your life. Maybe this is a great exercise for all of us. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace. He will be with you. Can I say it again? The God of peace, he will be with you. And so today, as we walk away from this sermon and we think about it, let's move forward, not using Philippians 4.13 out of context, that Christ can do all things, that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. No, Paul was saying, I can do all this. He's talking about contentment. I can do all this through Christ who gives me strength. And let's replace that Let's re replace that with something that can be promised to us. I can have peace. I can have peace in all things through Christ who gives me strength. Let me pray for us. Oh, Father, 
there are so many times where we want your word to mean something that it doesn't mean. I've used Philippians 4.13 wrong myself in the past, and I've used it to try to be an encouragement to other people, and very, I very well could have been a bigger discouragement to people. And God, I know that the reason why we need to be good students of your word and the reason, reason why we need to understand it in its original context is because when we take it out of context and we make it mean something that we want it to mean, now we actually can give people a false perspective and picture of who you are, and that's not good. And so, Father, I pray that today that you've used my mouth and you've used these words and you allow the Spirit to penetrate the hearts of all the people that will be watching this and you will help them to see that we need to choose our words carefully. And we need to have an accurate understanding of not only what your, what your word says, but who you are. And so, God, I pray that we can walk away from this being stronger and more um, knowledgeable on how to step into pain with other people, that you do want us to help carry their burdens. That means we need to be available, that our lives need to be interruptible. But God, that we don't use your word to mean something that it never meant. God, thank you for helping to make this clear for me and for us this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to transition us into a time of response right now. And um, you know every week that we're going to encourage you to participate in something called communion. And you can do this now. You can do this in a few moments, but we would strongly encourage you to do this. And what it is, is we take a cracker, a piece of bread, whatever you have, that represents the body of Christ, and we dip it in a cup of juice, or we take a, a drink of juice or wine or whatever that is, and we remember that that represents the, the spilling of Christ's blood for the forgiveness of our sins. And if you've never made the the decision to put your faith and trust in Jesus, you can do that right now. All you have to do is acknowledge, I'm a sinner. Sin entered into this world. I was born into sin. There is separation between me and God. The only way that that separation can be filled is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ because he lived a perfect life. And when he walked out of that tomb, that means he defeated death and he filled the gap between you and your heavenly father. And if you'll allow him to be the leader and Lord of your life today by simply acknowledging God, I'm a sinner. I've screwed up but I know that Jesus died for me and I'm giving him my life right now. We believe that if you say that sincerely, that today you'll be saved. And if you've made that decision, man, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to follow up with you because that's just the beginning. It's not the end. But I want to talk to us about something different really quick too. Okay, this is kind of a family moment. In the coming weeks, we're all starting to transition back into living our lives again. And yes, it's going to be different. And I've been observing something. I'm kind of a fan of sociology, so I kind of like paying attention to people and culture and what's happening. And I'm noticing something that happens that I want to warn us against. Uh, all of us are kind of transitioning back into living our lives again with a lot of tension. And some of that tension comes because you got people over here that are like, I don't want to wear a mask, you know, don't tell me what to do. And, you know, they're fighting for their liberties and all that kind of stuff. And over here you got people saying, I can't believe you're not wearing a mask. How selfish you're going to make somebody die. And and you got people in between all of that. And on top of that, you've got one of the most politically polarized climates that I've ever seen in my lifetime in an election year. Now, you put all those things together, and you got the recipe for a potential disaster. But can I share with you the words of Jesus that I've used a lot around here? Not so with you. Not so with you. I want you to choose your words carefully. <laughs> And be careful 
like what you listen to and who you listen to. Be careful that you don't give yourself, I think of Romans 12, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, which means nobody really cares about your Facebook post. <laughs> they just don't. And be careful what you read and understand or, or what you think is true and what you share as information. I saw this picture um, a couple weeks ago, crowded beaches in Arizona. And people were sharing this as if it were actually true. And if you don't know what's wrong with this picture, maybe you should stay home, okay? I'm just, just saying that. But yes, there are no beaches in Arizona, but people were literally sharing this as if they believed there were beaches in Arizona. Listen, there's tons of information out there that is it's full of bias. It's full of politically charged information. And I'm just asking you to be careful. And I'm actually encouraging you and challenging you that as a Christ follower, not so with you. Choose your words carefully. Heed the words of James when he says in James 1, 19 through 20, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because man's anger does not bring about the life that God wants for you. And so can I just encourage you, don't be like everybody else. Show them that Christ is not only the most important thing in your life and that he's got your devotion, he's got your heart, but that things can actually be done differently. Life can be lived differently with him at the front as, as your guide. And maybe you can become an example, not through a Facebook post, but how you live and how you love through this season. I'm gonna pray for us. Our worship team's gonna come up and lead us through another song. And uh, for those of you that have been giving, I just wanna say thank you. Uh, we couldn't do what we do without you. We couldn't bless the single moms. We couldn't bless Mark Twain Elementary and all the different things we've been doing without your generosity. So if, <clears throat> if you haven't um, been like supporting Trace or the mission of God through Trace Church, I would encourage you to consider it. I believe God wants that for you. I don't think he wants money to own your heart. And one of the best ways for you to know that God or that money doesn't own your heart is by giving some of that back through the kingdom of God so that his kingdom could be advanced. So you can do that through giving through our app. You can give online. You can mail it in. Uh, there's several ways that you can give and support the mission of God through Trace Church. I'm going to pray for us right now. And then uh, we're going to close with one more worship song. Father, God, I pray for wisdom. Uh, Father, I pray that even though we can't tell other people and we can't, um, we really can't affect what other people do and what they say, we can keep ourselves accountable. And Father, as we step back into and transition back into living life with other people that we're careful with our words and that people see something different in us that turns their gaze upwards, maybe thinking about you for the first time because of how we're living our lives, that we don't just continue to fall into the fold of what everybody else is doing and we don't post things on social media that we would never say in person, that we're careful with our words, that we listen to James, that we're quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because anger is not going to bring about the life that you want for us. And so God, would you guide us through the power of your Holy Spirit? Would you help us to be the example and to show people something different because we represent someone who can bring transformation to the world? We pray this in his name. Amen.